0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Well, welcome into your Tuesday. Thank you for joining us. Matt, Lars, our producer at Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa is Noah Haynes. We thank him. Coming up on the show, we got Tim Brando and second hour, your Nebraska radio bud is going to join us. Right, Lars? going to give us all things Michigan.
2: All things Michigan and the fact that uh, Dylan Rayola, the number one quarterback of the 2024 cycle, he uh, grew up in Phoenix. Remember, he spent his senior season in Buford, Georgia. Well, something apparently happened between him and the Georgia coaches, and he is traveling to Lincoln, Nebraska as we speak. And he may end up uh, signing with the Huskers. Uh, he's a five star, and Nebraska also is in the mix to get Ohio State's starting quarterback from last season, who's also a five star. So, I mean, it, it, it's really incredible what Matt Rule's doing. So, I, and I know I talk way too much about Nebraska, but this is national news. Matt Rule. Well, actually is
1: good. this is a big story. It is a big story um, because they. Somebody invested a lot of money in this guy to get him to Buford where Georgia could kind of, you know, keep an eye on their project. I, The only thing I can think of is, you know what happened? is Carson Beck.
2: Yeah. This and, kid wants uh, to
1: play immediately. He has a better chance of doing that at Nebraska than he does at Georgia, correct?
2: Yeah, I mean, it just... Uh, Yes, Carson Beck will be back. But, uh, I mean, this, it seemingly came out of nowhere. Now, again, it, it's important to note that Rayola, his father was an All American at Nebraska. His name is literally on the stadium. Uh, and his uncle is the offensive line coach who, coincident or not, just received a pretty massive pay raise. And, it, it, it really uh, it's it something seemed to happen at Georgia this past week. Uh, did something happen when Riola when the Riolas were on campus hanging out last weekend? I, I don't know, but you know they moved to Georgia to be closer to Athens and, and now uh, you know obviously again, Nebraska is not random coming into this recruitment um, and uh, w- w- we'll see. Uh, it was interesting too that that Donovan Rayola, who is his uncle, like I mentioned, he was the only coach retained on Scott Frost's staff. And, uh, and this past year, the offensive line for Nebraska played very well. And um, I think I think there's a chance uh, that uh, he, you know that uh, that Rayola flips at the at the last second, and also. Um, the 24-7 sports is saying Kyle McCord out of Ohio State, who Ohio State was 10-0 with McCord, a quarterback, heading into the Michigan game. He didn't have a great Michigan game. If he does, if Ohio State beats Michigan, Kyle McCord doesn't leave Ohio State. And uh, and apparently uh, it, uh, the the some recruiting guys who I trust are saying he's 100% uh, going to Nebraska, so he'll and he only has one year of eligibility remaining, and so it could work out pretty well. You know, Rayola gets some playing time behind McCord, and then he becomes yeah. the the starter. But um, suddenly, I mean, it, and, I, and I'm, we're getting I am getting way ahead of myself. But um, Nebraska could be in really good shape at the quarterback position, almost as as good a shape as any team uh, outside of Alabama, (laughs) really, Uh, because Alabama has the succession plan in place. uh, And so we'll see what happens. And I I think... uh, Um, My buddy, Chris Schmidt, who has been covering the Big Ten for about 20 years, I think he can shed some light on that. But more importantly for our our listeners, he'll really be able to break down Michigan and what they do well, where they can be exposed, and just how he sees this Alabama team that's going to, uh, how they are going to attack Michigan on both sides of the ball. And, you know, it's always good to get a, a reporter from the opposing team, right, who covers the opposing team because they, they can offer so much insight. And, uh, and again, you know, uh, Chris is based in Lincoln, but uh, he has seen a lot of Michigan football this year.
1: Meanwhile, quickly, let's just update you. Most of you will probably be watching, but um, Monday night football: Giants beat my Packers on the last second thirty-nine yard field goal. They win it, twenty-four to twenty-two. Can they we
2: stop right the there tight? for a second? What, what, what do you think of what, what's up with Jordan Love? You know, one week you look, you think he's the franchise quarterback. The Packers are set for the next decade, and then on Monday night, he just puts up a clunker. Well, he hadn't played a whole lot. So, I guess
1: with experience comes consistency because he certainly lacks that. So, uh, I'll, uh, you know, excuse him for a a bad game every now and then. But you you need to really play good Sunday to Sunday, Monday to Monday, whatever the case may be. But quarterbacks can have off nights and off days. I mean, Jalen Hurts has struggled the last couple of weeks so much that the Crazy Philadelphia fans are talking about you know starting somebody else, just crazy. It's, it, it is. It is. It is. Did, Tua had Tua's had Tua. some issues too, even though earlier in the year didn't he put the Dolphins up with 71?
2: Yeah, and uh, the uh, the Tua MVP train may have crashed <laughs> last night, uh, going against one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. Um, Tua didn't throw a touchdown pass. Had a costly fumble at the two-yard line in the first quarter. And this is going against a, a Titans team that is just not very good. And Tua, frankly, was outplayed by Will Levis. And uh, they, the, the Titans may have found something here in in Will Levis. And we really liked him, Matt, when he was in the uh, uh, when when he was in the uh, SEC. But I think now that that with that performance last night, um, I think the two favorites for the NFL MVP are, are, I can't believe I'm saying this, Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. um, With, uh, I'd give a slight edge to Prescott just based on how he played on Sunday night against the Eagles. Um, And boy, you, you have to admire Dak Prescott because he is under so much pressure Being the quarterback for the highest-profile team in the NFL, everything he does is scrutinized, and he just has tuned it all out and is playing spectacular football.
1: Yeah, he's come a long way since the days at Mississippi State. I remember when Alabama went over too startful when Dak was – back when Alabama had those unbelievable defenses – and they it, sacked Dak nine times.
2: Wasn't Mississippi State number one in the country at that time?
1: I think they were one and Ole Miss was two for maybe a short week or something yeah. like that. But, but even yeah, they, he was the heck of a quarterback and um, you know, uh Dan Mullen had a lot to do with that.
2: Absolutely. And he also he was such a high character young man when he was at uh Mississippi State. Um, and uh, that certainly has carried over to uh, the NFL, and and now he is playing clearly the the best ball of his career.
1: And a note from the National Football League: His quarterbacks just seems to be an injury plagued season for the guys taking snaps. It. Justin Herbert out for the season had to have a procedure, an operation on his index finger. Of course, it's on his throwing hand, so. He is actually out for the year. And Patrick Mahomes has backed off a little bit. Says he regrets his actions Sunday as the Chiefs lost to the Bills. says he really regrets his conversation because he was really, really still complaining when he saw Josh Allen after the game. And he said, I really regret you. And, you know, kind of didn't chew him out, but he was complaining. He said, that's not time or the place for that. So... Good for Patrick Mahomes. I could have predicted that with really good odds. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. The man, the man that a lot of Alabama fans like to take jabs at. That's right. Maybe not today. That's right. Tim Brando's next on Big Noon Sports. 100.9
0: Tuscaloosa weather. A beautiful afternoon with a sunny sky. The high today, 56. Clear tonight, the low at 32. Tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days. Highs between 58 and 61. And Friday, partly to mostly sunny. Friday's high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 57 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: It is indeed. It's Big Noon Sports. Matt, Lars, Noah. And joining us is Tim Brando from Fox Sports. Tim, it is 57 degrees and very sunny in Alabama right now. And that's golf weather. I can play golf. Do you have a low where you you just won't play? To me, it's all about the wind. But what about you? Will you not play below 50?
4: No, I'll play it in 40 degrees or 45 degrees. Uh, Anything under 40, and I'm probably not going to play. I don't like it in the 30s uh, at all. But, yeah, it's great golf weather. As a matter of fact, um, if I didn't have so much uh, holiday catching up to do around the house, I'd be playing right now. But uh, I am going to play Thursday morning. It'll probably be 9.30 in the morning. Uh, It'll probably be uh, about... 40 42 43 degrees you know wow. on uh, Thursday morning and I don't mind I don't mind that at all it, it warms up as you get along you know get going and um, our our golf course is a really good fall golf course and it's still fall I mean our colors have not it hasn't gotten so cold here we've had a couple of nights where it got close to freezing but um, except for the the wind that blew through here on that last storm that created all those tornadoes and tennessee which we missed we missed most of the rain we got some wind but our fall colors are still out so i love to play in the fall you know, late you fall a, early winter
2: do you have a regular group of guys that you play with and uh, do you uh, put a little little wager little wager here and there
4: I, I do in the spring and summer i don't this time of year uh i'll play in a tuesday group and a saturday group when i get into the spring and the summer but uh, right now if they have room uh, when they're playing in the fall and winter, I haven't played, and I'm not going to go out and play for money when I haven't played. <laughs> so, I, I've got buddies of mine though, that are like me that they they're, they they love to play casual golf and don't need to have money on it to play, and uh, they're neighbors of mine. So we're going to play on um, we're going to play on Thursday. I, I got a round in about a month ago, and played great and um, and made a couple of uh, kick in birdies on par fives, and so. Uh, I can't wait to get back out there, but I'm not expecting a lot because, you know, when you start expecting a little more because the way you played last time, that could be fool's gold. You know, you can go out there and just suck. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna go low and slow in the backswing and hope to make contact and, and keep the head down, uh, Lars. That's that's the that's the way you got to go this
2: time of year. It's always that 200-yard approach shot on 18 that you just strike it flush about five, <laughs> feet, from, <laughs> five feet from the hole uh, that keeps you coming back. All right, Tim. Yeah, it, you've does. Agreed, it does. You've agreed. Uh, you're about ready to, to tweet out your picks for the uh, national semifinal games, and you're gracious enough to give us a little sneak preview here. All right. uh, yeah. which, game, which game do you want to start with? Oh, why, why why bury the lead, Lars? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alabama, Michigan. Tell us what well, is going to happen.
4: You know, I was having a conversation uh, on uh, Outkick this morning with Dan Dockich, and, and, and you know, I wasn't thinking about doing it, but after I got through talking to him, I said, you know what, I need to go ahead and just tweet this out myself since I, uh, I, I was on with him and I told him what I thought. It was sort of a matter-of-fact conversation. And uh, but I've been thinking it for a while. Even with my diatribe last week and, and, and the post the, the, the hosing of Florida State, which I I still believe in, one hundred percent believe in, there's no denying how great a matchup Alabama and Michigan is. I mean, it, it may well be, in fact I'll I'll go ahead and predict it. I think that this game will be the most watched college football playoff game in the history of uh, the 10 year history of the CFP. And I think the reason for it, so. the reason for it is uh, the reason for it is, is twofold two storied programs. Yes. Um, and, and, and the whole North versus South thing is huge here. It's something that I think all fans of college football have wanted. And, you know, Ohio state, Alabama have played in the past. We know what happened there. Uh, but, but, we haven't gotten it with Michigan and Alabama. And frankly, when when Urban was coaching at Ohio State, it was one thing to dislike Urban, but you'd already gone through that with Florida if you were Alabama. So it wasn't like a new story. Harbaugh, I mean, let's face it, guys. Is there anyone that the Alabama fan base can collectively dislike any more than Jim Harbaugh? I, I don't think so. No. and i don't think if you're a michigan fan that there's anyone that they would uh love to to put a black hat on uh particularly given his uh his history at michigan state uh, then Nick Saban you know so regardless of how old you are i mean these are the two guys that you just you cannot stand if you're either one of those fan bases so you got that juice you've got you have got the other factor is alabama getting in uh and Florida state not getting in. So there's some hatred there for the younger fans, right? Like they shouldn't be here and they are. And then with Michigan, it's like, how dare they even be considered to play in this thing? They cheated. So you've got, you know, you've got that going. So you, that's, that's all off the field stuff that drives interest from casual fans. But if you're just a fan of, of college football and you look at the matchup, it's just magnificent on, on li- literally every level. Michigan's strength uh, is their offensive and defensive fronts, and their power game, their ability to run the football against just about anybody they play. What's Alabama's greatest strength, you know, usually, every year? It's stopping the run. Well, it's strength on strength in that respect. McCarthy is a quarterback that you, you believe that has played in enough big-game environments that he'll, he'll have an experience uh, factor on his side that Jalen Milrow does not. But Milrow has athletic ability in a way that none of, none of the Michigan players have seen in the Big Ten. There were no quarterbacks this year that were athletic to the extent that that Jalen Milrow is athletic. So that's that's going to be problematic for Michigan defensively. At the same time, the one thing that that Alabama has done, I think, against what I thought was a pretty mediocre SEC this year that they played against, especially in the in the uh, in the division they were in, Ole Miss's defense wasn't good enough. LSU's was historically bad, so they couldn't tackle in space. Michigan does tackle well in space; that is one of their great strengths. So that that strength of Alabama's will play right into what I believe is a pretty good strength. For Michigan so it's it's really strength versus strength in every respect uh, and I think it comes down to explosive plays who can get the most explosive plays and and Michigan's uh, wide receiving core is is not a real challenge for Alabama's secondary they won't have to, to necessarily worry that much about Michigan receivers Alabama's offensive uh, game, as good as it is, it's that, that receiving core is not as strong as it's been in past years. It's one of the reasons why uh, Milroe has had to run uh, the football a, a little bit more. It's not like you got a bunch of Devonte Smiths uh, out there, but I do think Alabama's receivers are better than Michigan's. So I look at the two and I say this game could very easily be, either a a game with a lot of scoring or one that's not. I don't know what kind of game. If you're going to bet the over or the over-under, I I don't know which way to go. I I really don't. The layoff is going to affect both teams. So which team is penalized the least? Well, Michigan doesn't get penalized nearly as much as Alabama does. To me, that's going to be a problem uh, for Alabama. They were penalized a lot even in the Auburn game at the end of the year all right you played a long time and you're still picking up penalties and we're you know it helped put you in a bad spot for fourth and 31 that you were able to convert i'm gonna go with alabama to win the game and i tell you the reason i i I think it's miller i think he has developed into the kind of quarterback that now does have some confidence throwing the ball to go along with his ability to just tuck it and run and if michigan's caught playing a lot of man coverage and he sees 15 to 20 yards of open grass, he's going to take it. Um, I think it's a hell of a game. I think it'll be the most watched game in the history of the college football playoff. And I think Alabama will find a way to win.
1: Let's look at the other game. you got Texas and Washington. I think Texas is pretty much the favorite in this one. Do you like the Longhorns? I do not.
4: And the reason I don't like the Longhorns is because these two have played each other. They did in the Alamo bowl a year ago. Uh, So it's been almost a a year ago to the day when they play, it will be a few days past that. Uh, And they know about each other's teams big time. Uh, There are a few players that are new uh, for Texas. Uh, You know, B. John Robinson is gone, but you know, they've got a committee of backs and Brooks certainly had a good year and he's healthy again. But, but, but Washington's got three wide receivers fellas. that now that <laughs> they are a problem. That's the best three receivers on one team in college football with, uh, Odunze at the top of that list. McMillan is, I think the number two got a receiver, but they're all three big time talents. And, and Pennix has got the best arm of any quarterback that's in this field of four. and, you know, he's going to have an edge too, because I think there are a lot of people that believe that he deserved to win the Heisman and he didn't get it. So you got to, you got that thing kind of going with him and with that team, with that Washington team. Um, the difference in this game to me will be red zone defense from Washington. You know, they surrender a lot of yards. Uh, but when you look at the points allowed, they're top 25 in the country in points allowed. And trust me in the Pac-12 against those dynamic offenses with all those great quarterbacks, they had to defend the red zone a bunch. That's the reason they beat Oregon both times, was they were able to hold Oregon to threes more than touchdowns. And those two rush-ins uh, are just difference-makers. Um, uh, trailer uh, is one on one side, and uh, ZTF um, is the other. And those two guys are Able to get plays for minus yardage, create losses early in downs once the ball is in the red zone, and that can get Texas into some trouble. So I'm going to go Washington, and what I think will be a track meet, I think whoever wins this game probably needs to score 40 plus points. But I think, again, Washington's defense is more stingy inside the red zone, and that'll be the difference in the game.
2: Tim, I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into the Alabama Michigan matchup with you. Can you stick around?
4: What have I ever said no to you guys for that?
2: No, I, if, don't I don't, I
4: don't, you I, have. Just I don't you believe I it. I mean I, why would I why now would I suddenly uh get <laughs> cotton mouth and decide to, to to just, you know, no, I don't I don't have time, guys. I gotta go. I'm not I'm not gonna big time you. I'm not gonna big time you guys. Uh, you
5: never
1: have. Ah, yeah. uh, Tim Brando. We'll continue this conversation on the other side of the break as we bring you Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage.
3: Test Sports Talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: Just some FYI concerning the uh, football playoffs. Alabama-Michigan, the Tide is a one-point underdog. Tim mentioned the over-under is 45 and a half. The over-under for Texas and Washington is 20 points higher, almost, at 63 and a half. And the Longhorns are a four-point favorite. Back to Tim Brando. Portions of this show are being brought to you by Laura Lee Tom, Tom. Thompson, let me get the sponsor. read right here, the Bama Broker Advantage Realty Group.
2: So, Tim, uh, how do you think the Michigan offense is going to attack this Alabama defense that has uh, just uh, was Kool Aid McKinstry, Terion Arnold both are projected to be first-round corners, and you said that uh, Alabama has a big sort of uh, a- a advantage when it comes to their DBs versus the mm-hmm. Michigan wide yeah. receivers. So what well. is the game plan going to be for Jim Harbaugh uh, going against uh, this Alabama defense? It's
4: going to be the same it's always been, and that is ground and pound. I mean, they're, they're the ultimate power team. Uh, they They rely so heavily... And even after they lost Zinter, remember they, ever, they lost the, their best, really their leader of their offensive front uh, in the game with Ohio State. They, they supplanted him with a, a very capable guy, and and they just find a way. Plus, I think with Donovan Edwards and Gorham, the two backs, you've got, you know, Gorham is just, he's got huge heart, and, and at the same time, uh, he's, he's a power back that can get you when you need two to three yards, he's going to get it. And then Edwards is a guy that can catch passes. If you decide to go with any screen game, he can help you that there. You know, be a be a safety valve on a check down if they're in a passing situation. But he's also really good at getting to the second level and being a home run hitter. He's got speed that can can really hit you if you have uh, a situation where you're you're playing pass and you don't have your linebackers where you need to have them. Their, their big plays are going to come whenever they're they're in a situation where fans are thinking and, and, and coaches are thinking past, and they come with run. Uh, that's how they beat Ohio State the first time. It's how they've beaten them the last three times. And, uh, I mean, Penn State's defense, I think, did about as good of a job against Michigan as you could, but eventually they wore them down and they got some big plays. And so it's pretty basic, really, uh, for Alabama in terms of solving them. The one thing that that you have to be cognizant of is McCarthy is a big moment, big-time quarterback. He doesn't throw it a lot, but when he does throw it, he's accurate. And he makes really good decisions. They won't turn it over very often. I mean, you're going to have to beat them because they don't beat themselves. But – uh the the onus is going to be on the alabama front uh and and it's abilities to to stop the run and i think that that um you know most most people most observers would tell you that's that's always been a strength of alabama's but this year maybe not as much uh and teams in the sec were not as willing to test them you know in terms of the, we're going to run the ball no matter what Think about it. How many teams did Alabama really play that were just relentless in their attack running football? Not many. You know, it's a pass-happy league, especially in the Western Division of the SEC. So it, it is a lot of uh, strength versus strength, as I mentioned. But I think that you the advantage that the, the Alabama secondary has is, in my mind, taken away because Michigan doesn't plan on beating you with the pass. I mean, they really don't. They'll beat you with maybe play action after they've started getting the ground game going. But, uh, I I think we could see a, a, a low scoring game here. And, and if we do, then I think that over time, uh, can give Michigan a greater, a greater opportunity. I, I, if Alabama, I think wants to turn the game into a faster paced game, they want uh, to force Michigan to score and 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 want to beat them with explosive plays, I don't know how many they'll get against Michigan because they're very good defensively too. Uh, Michigan cannot afford to get behind early. That's that's another one of the reasons why I like Alabama in the game. I think if Alabama can get some big plays early, force Michigan to play from behind, then then they have to get out of character. They'll have to play uh, a left-handed approach because. That's, that's not their style. You know, they, 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 they beat uh, Ohio State uh, by really being systematic in their approach. Uh, and if you look back at it, McCord, you know, did not put a lot of pressure on them, certainly not with the ability to run. And that's one of the reasons I think he's, uh, he's going to be playing elsewhere next year, and, and Ryan Day's going to have, you know, a new quarterback, if not Cam Ward from Washington State. Maybe this kid that they've got that they're so high on—that's a freshman—that's coming up, um, but 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 Alabama can 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 put all kinds of pressure on them with Milrose legs, and 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 to me ultimately that's the difference maker in the game.
2: I think uh, this is just my assessment. Let me—I'd love to hear your thoughts. That the one position where Michigan has an advantage is at the tight end position. Uh, mm-hmm. With uh, Colston Loveland and AJ Barner, I think those guys are going to have to have big games for the Wolverines. And and the thing about JJ McCarthy, he is elite when he is on the run. He can yeah. he can throw the ball as well as as anyone I've seen in a while when he's on the run. So he can extend the plays. And uh, and, and again, as we talked about, I think Alabama's corners are going to do a good job of locking down the wide receivers. But in the middle of the field could be there for the taking. I know Alabama shut down Brock Bowers pretty much, but we all know that Brock Bowers was injured in that SEC championship yeah. game and, and yeah. wasn't himself. But do you think and just just discuss a little bit about JJ McCarthy and and the quality of these two tight ends at Michigan? Oh, they're
4: very good. Yeah, it's quite, it's all you know. No one, I think, the versatility of Bowers separates them. I don't know that these are guys that would, um, could line up at wide receiver and play like Bowers could. You know, Bowers is a wide receiver in a tight end's body. These two are more, uh, of the Ferguson, uh, using the old Wisconsin tight end and maybe guys that you've seen at Iowa through the years. But they're, but the, the, the two of them, uh, make them very, very, uh, strong and because they could go with, What you hear, I know fans hear this often 11, 12 personnel, that kind of thing. Uh, seeing two of them out there in a given time is, is not uncommon. It happens a lot. So you're right. They're, they are a threat. I do think Alabama schematically, because they had to, they had to deal with Bowers is uh, somewhat prepared for all of that. And you're right. McCarthy is very effective when he's running or, or rolling, rolling out and then finding tight ends over the middle in the seams. But he'll also be having to deal with a secondary, as you know, that is, is well-coached and with plenty of time to get ready. That's always been an advantage, I think, for Nick in the playoffs, is that when given time, that much time to prepare, that secondary can really confuse the best of quarterbacks, even one that's as experienced and is as strong as McCarthy. I don't mean to sound like he's that inferior athletically, to Milrow because he's not. You're spot on with that, and it's a great question. But I just don't think that physically he's as imposing for Alabama and their defense to have to deal with than say Milrow would be. You know, coming off the edge uh, when he decides to tuck it and run, or if it's a design run. Okay, he's he's a load, and and they just have not seen someone that big and that athletic that's also that fast. And, and agile and, and again that's another one of the reasons why uh, I like Alabama
1: Tim quickly before we let you go it seemed four weeks ago that Jen Daniels was third in the Heisman uh, mm-hmm. then both Pennix yep. and Knicks put on their shows and maybe they didn't have the greatest games but it seemed like they were running one 2 what happened in the last three weeks that enabled Daniels to just jump to the top of the list
4: Two major things, and and by the way, I'll take you back to November the tenth. Okay, you guys know where I live. I'm pretty sure everybody in Alabama knows where I live. So
2: I think pretty. I think that, everybody knows your actual address, yeah. Tim. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. So with, with, with that in mind, Yeah,
4: with that in mind, uh, I'm on the air doing uh, the reigning Heisman winner, Caleb Williams, uh, and it's really the last gasp for USC if they're going to have any 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 kind of season reasonably close to what they had done the year before. They had to beat Oregon at Oregon. I want to say it was the weekend of November the 10th, and that was the same night that Jalen uh, was putting on this show against Florida, setting all kinds of records against Billy Napier's team, and they, they were actually behind at one point in the third quarter. Uh, 28-24, I think, was the score, but I'm, I'm on the air doing my game and it's uh, we started a little bit later than the LSU game had started. And I'm getting texts from my friends from LSU, you know, some, some of my golfing buddies uh, here at Southern Trace, and they're like, are, they, they, they have no idea I'm even on the air. All right, they're watching LSU, and they're like, uh, hey, are you seeing this, Brando? Are you watching this? And I'm like, uh, politely, right back to halftime, uh, I'm actually on the air doing my own game right now, you know, on cable, all you have to do is hit that channel selector and it moves up one. And I've got USC and Oregon, uh, you know, making fun of them. And they're like, well, this is unbelievable. I mean, it's the most amazing performance we've ever seen. And I said, well, that's fine. And, and he said, well, can he win it? And I'm like, they want an answer at that point.
5: Okay. Yeah.
4: We want to know, can he win it? And I'm like, look, fellas, he's he's done in terms of having a platform uh that can give him a Heisman moment. Okay, he's he's a three loss team quarterback. Uh and they're like, well these numbers are just unbelievable. Uh so I said, yeah, of course they are. I give a lot of credit to to Jim Brock and uh Brian Kelly for just telling that kid after he got knocked out in the Alabama game, hey man, go get you some. Let's pump it. Let's throw it. Let's pad those stats. Let's get as big a numbers as we can get. And what I was poised and ready to vote for either Knicks or Phoenix over him, but in that championship game, fellas, one of those two guys needed to distinguish themselves over the other, and it didn't really happen. Washington won that game more with its defense in the red zone, as I mentioned, and with their run game, which was very effective against Oregon, and and that's the reason I think that Jaden Daniels won it. A little bit like RG3 the year he got it, a little bit like, uh, if you go back to the Stone Age's, when I was at ESPN, a little bit like uh, Barry Sanders when he won it. And he stole it from Aikman and Pete in 1988. Sheer numbers. His stats were so good you couldn't ignore them. And neither Penix or Nick were able to to really own that championship moment. I thought that was a stalemate between the two of them. And that's why he won the Heisman. I think it was the right choice. My vote was Daniels one, Penix 2, and Nick 3. That
1: would I have think... been mine too. Yeah, that's um... fair. All right, um, have a good golf game on Thursday. We appreciate your time, Tim Brando, and thank you, Tim. How many people follow you on Twitter, Tim? What's your handle? Oh, uh, it's at Tim
5: Brando, and oh, by the way, Timmy B on Fox on Instagram. And I
4: know that the uh, the Roll Tide Nation is now just scared to death because Brando picked Alabama. Oh my God. <laughs> That'll be the main story on social media yes, in, yeah. in your area code.
2: Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jimmy. Merry
4: Christmas. Uh, thank you, Tim. Merry Christmas, fellas. All the best to you and yours.
1: Yeah, you too. Uh, you know what you're going to get from Tim Brando? He's going to throw you was, heat. Um,
2: also, ex- he broke down was, the Michigan that game. That was excellent analysis. Excellent. Yep. I mean, that, that's why Tim Brando is Tim Brando. He, he knows his stuff.
1: Lars, you know where the fail room is at Alabama? Uh-uh. It Never is the of uh, it's name of the uh, visiting team's locker room. It's called the fail room. <laughs> you, uh, that's interesting, but also what some people want to do or this one particular guy wants to do to the fail room is, uh, I don't know, I found it very interesting. I think you will, too, when we get back on Big Noon Sports.
2: Hey, Jen, I- just- Call Haley on her cell. Yes, her cell. 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number
6: 230376.
2: It's the Holiday
3: Mystery. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: It is big, Dutch
3: sports. I'm uh, Matt Coulter.
1: Uh, along with the gang here, we got Lars and we've got Noah. And yes, as a matter of fact, I am stretching while I'm on the air. Don't know that I've ever done that before. The locker room at Bryant Denny Stadium uh, for the visiting team is called the Fail Room. And we have been living with the Fail Room. Uh, he, James Fail, a very successful businessman. Um, donated the money some time ago uh, back when mal moore was still the athletic director but uh, and they named it the fail room which that's the guy's name james fail but i guess you know you can see the irony of calling the visitors locker room the fail room well a gentleman by the name of philip stano um an attorney he is uh trying to have the room changed the name of it because James Fail had some, uh, let's say, uh, maybe less than above board business practices, and this story right here uh, claims that many, many low income people in the state of Alabama ended up without burial insurance because of uh, the dealings with Fail and his associate Alvin Townsend. And when I first brought this up, I thought, Well, why don't you just just leave it alone? Well, the guy that wrote this and this uh, young Philip Stano, don't know that he's young, but he makes a pretty good case. And then the university makes a pretty good case that they made promises to the Fail family that they feel like they should uphold. And he has made significant financial contributions to the University of Alabama. So I went from saying, what is this guy trying to change the name for? Then I looked at it and thought, okay, maybe there's justification. And then I was immediately... Uh, First thought to mind was Hugh Culverhouse. Um, He gave $21.5 million to the law school and Alabama gave it back to him in response to an ongoing dispute. So what I thought was going to be kind of an interesting story has turned too serious on me to give comment. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, that is uh, sort of wrapped in a little bit of a controversy. Um, but uh, I, I I think that's interesting about uh, the naming of the uh, opposing locker room. Uh, aren't there some teams, not necessarily in college football, but just in, in, I think in pro sports, where they paint the visitor's locker room pink? you ever heard yeah, of Yeah, and
1: I think some of them that have music systems will play stuff like Beethoven and Bach, you know? They're not playing any modern hit music. They'll play some classical, maybe some big band stuff. But, uh, and then, of course, there are teams that still do this, and I find it um, uh, unsportsmanlike to not turn the air conditioners on in the locker room. Why would you do
2: that? Yeah, that is uh, kind of pathetic. It's just mean. Yeah. Hmm. It, it's, it's, not, it's not sportsmanlike.
1: Nope. Uh, I think Texas did that, didn't
2: they? And, and by the way, speaking of sportsmanlike, I, um... <laughs> proud is not the right word, but I am happy to see that Patrick Mahomes apologized uh, and and he said look, I shouldn't treat the referees the way I did. In fact, you should never treat anybody like that. He said he felt awful about his uh, post-game interaction with uh, Josh Allen, and, uh, and then he admitted, you know what? It was a penalty, and I was wrong. And that we don't get enough of that from our stars in sports by just doing the right thing. And when you're wrong, admit you're wrong. People will forgive you and people will move on. Some people want to forgive you. They, they
1: want to see you stand up and be held accountable. Not as much now as it used to be, but I'm not going down that path either. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Speaking of uh, locker rooms, that's where we're headed for the second half.
6: and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker...
3: Here's Monsi Bolaños.
6: Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert will have surgery today on his right index finger, and he will miss the remainder of the 2023 regular season. Easton Stick will take over at quarterback starting this Thursday against the Las Vegas Raiders. Colts head coach Shane Steichen says that the plan is for running back Jonathan Taylor to play again this season. He's missed the last two weeks with a thumb injury, and his status remains TBD for Thursday against Pittsburgh. The NFL Network reports that Ravens all-pro returner Devin DuVernay suffered a back injury on Sunday and is being placed on injured reserve. It will not require a procedure and he should be good to go for the playoffs. Texans kicker Kaimi Fairbairn is expected to play in Week 15. He's missed the last month with a lingering quad injury. And in the NBA, the Suns will be without Kevin Durant tonight due to an ankle injury as they take on the Warriors. And Duke quarterback Riley Leonard announced on social media that he's transferring to Notre Dame.
3: From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey,
1: welcome back into the program. Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. You just heard of the, the update with Fox Sports there. That the Duke quarterbacks transferring to Notre Dame. This is just—it's a part of every sportscast now, Lars. It's—it's it's just yeah. unbelievable. And aren't we under the new rule where you can only do this once unless you're a graduate?
2: <laughs> I don't it even like, know. It seems like they've uh, <laughs> it up. It doesn't seem like to it. Do it. No, it really <laughs> doesn't. Uh, um, so I'm not. By sure the way, when do, you that know, takes effect. do you know where Riley Leonard is from?
1: Riley Leonard would have to be either from Cincinnati or Lincoln,
2: Fairhope, Alabama. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And so, I remember uh, him in high school. And so, um, yeah, Dylan Gabriel, who uh, uh, that was the quarterback at at Alabama, he has uh, said that he's going to be at Oregon. Um, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the Heisman conversation. And then you have Riley Leonard. He is committed uh, to Notre Dame. And by the way, this is uh, the from uh, getting this information from the Real on quick, three. Real
1: quick, Gabriel's from Oklahoma.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. he, he's from – his last team is Oklahoma going yep. to Oregon. His His NIL value, as calculated by on three – and on three does an excellent job with doing this. His NIL value is 1.1 million. Um, Riley Leonard's NIL value, 653,000. So uh, he's committed going from Duke to Notre Dame. And, and this is a problem with the transfer portal, right? I mean, Duke goes out, they find this kid, they develop him. He is a, a special player, and bam, he goes to Notre Dame. Um, uh, Will In Howard. In this
1: case, though, I think you have to remember that
2: his coach left, too. Yes, yeah. No, that, that, that is fair. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're right. That is, that is very, very fair. Um, and so Will Howard, who I... I You know, I think he's he's a decent quarterback. He played at at Kansas State. He's a big kid, 6'4", 210. Um, He uh, is, it looks like he's narrowed his choices down to the University of Miami and USC. I think he's leaning more to Miami. Um, And uh, Cam Ward, unless Cam Ward, who uh, was at uh, uh, Washington State, He's a good player as well. He may end up at Miami, and if he ends up at Miami, then Howard most likely end up at SC. And again, according to On3, Kyle McCord, um, he uh, is 100% going to go to Nebraska uh, from Ohio State. Uh, uh, our, our boy, uh, our guy, DJ Ungulalale. <laughs> I can't pronounce that. Uh, he's gonna Say go it for,
1: fast and whatever comes
2: yeah, up comes up. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's yeah. That's my rule. Um, you know, at one point he was going to be uh, the next big thing at Clemson. Uh, he ends up going to Oregon State as a good year. And now, uh, according to On3, he's either, it's about a 50-50 toss-up, either going to Louisville or Florida State. I would probably lean Florida State on that one. Um, Tyler Van Dyke, who has been uh, uh, Miami's quarterback, I think he's a pretty good player. He's a big kid too, 6'4", 230. I think he's going to end up at Wisconsin uh, after playing at Miami. And um, any other big names that catch my eye here? Um, Will Rogers. Um, going to go from Mississippi State to we really have no idea. Uh, Max Johnson, who's a player that you and I have talked about a lot, we really like Max Johnson, uh, the son of Brad Johnson, uh, going from Texas A&M to most likely North Carolina, um, and and then again, uh, what I was talking about earlier. Is um, Dylan Rayola, who uh, at one point was the number one recruit in the country, quarterback, uh, who had uh, committed to Georgia, and, um, and was so committed to Georgia, he moved from Phoenix to Buford, Georgia. His family moved out there. Apparently, he was on campus uh, this last weekend. Something. Uh, apparently happens. There's just not a lot of information on this. And right now, uh, the sort of the, the top guy who I trust, other than our own Andrew Bone, okay? I want to make that clear. Other than our own Andrew Bone, um, uh, what is his name again? It is, uh, I'm getting it right now, um, uh, Steve uh, Wiltfong. Of twenty four seven sports, he is saying that uh, Dylan Rayola is uh, is going to go to Nebraska, and uh, which is just a, a stunning development. Uh, he's taken an official visit, I believe, on Saturday uh, with his dad, and as I mentioned, his dad was an All American center for Nebraska, and um, his dad's name is literally. On the on the stadium, very close next to Tom Osborne's name and Eric Crouch and Johnny Rogers, <laughs> um, you know, uh, he's a, he's a Nebraska legend. And, boy, uh, I would be surprised if he doesn't leave there with uh, committing to Nebraska. Uh, Again, I I don't know what happened in Georgia. Maybe he just realized he didn't like living in the South. I I don't know because he's not a Southern kid.
1: Um, I think he wants to play immediately. He's got a better shot to do that in Nebraska than,
2: you know. Passing yeah, and, and, and also there's there's Carson Beck, and, and I think there's a, there's a few other guys that Kirby Smart has went out and, and recruited and, and, and have on the roster. So there's no guarantee that he will play real quickly. Um, but I, I think the reporting by Steve Wiltfong, again, of 24-7 Sports is he is talking to players that Rayola is friends with, right? And who is he, Rayola suddenly is trying to recruit them to come to Nebraska? And uh, I think that is where and how he is acquiring his information. But we'll find out a lot more about that. And also Michigan, uh, talking to our next guest, uh, Chris Schmidt, who's going to join us here in just a couple minutes, Matt.
1: At some point, um, got to jump into the referees, man. They are getting hammered, especially at the NFL level. They're now going back and talking about, I guess it was Quentin Williams, uh, C.J. Stroud. They're just saying that was a bad call among others. Certainly Patrick Mahomes blew up on one. I did see something that uh, made sense to me, and it came from a very sensible man, Peyton Manning. He said, blow the play dead the minute the ball snapped. You're offsides.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, they do that with motion, don't they? They do. Why do they play out on offsides if you've lined up you're clearly offsides?
2: Don't run the play. How simple is that, if, you're, if it's on, uh, yeah, if it's on offense, you just blow it dead. If it's on, if the defense is lined up offside, would you still free blow play. it dead? Yeah, because it becomes a free play and a huge advantage. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say you'd have to do it both ways. If the defense is lined up offsides, you gotta stop the play too. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, that
1: right that, now, my first thought on that is that I don't object to it at all. I don't either. No. Hey, uh, your man Chris Smith's coming up on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage.
0: Hey, Bama Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A beautiful afternoon with a sunny sky. behind today, 56. Clear tonight, below low at 32. Tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days. Highs between 58 and 61. And Friday, partly to mostly sunny. Friday's high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 59 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: More big noon sports coming up.
1: Portions of Big news Sports are presented by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker at Vantage Realty Group. Give her a holler and look her up on social media. You can get in touch with Laura Lee.
2: That I promise. Mark? Joining us now is uh, one of my closest friends in the world. It's uh, Chris Schmidt, who uh, is a, uh, a sportscaster in uh, the state of Nebraska, but he really covers all of the Big Ten, uh he was the 2021 nebraska sportscaster of the year uh he actually does a uh, double duty as, i don't know how you do it he, he does a, a morning show from six to nine and then a uh, afternoon show from four to six and then a weekend show from seven to nine in the morning chris thank you so much for giving us some time how are you doing today what any, anything going on in lincoln nebraska Oh, just waiting
5: for more uh, shocking announcements, Lars. That's what we're doing. You guys are going to get some play-by-play. I'm uh, well. I, I, if I was in Alabama, being four deep, I might have a shot at the NFL. But that's where I'm at. I'm four deep in the uh, the old pharmacy line. Daddy's got sinus issues today, so bear with me with the. Uh, uh the, the drive through uh play by playing a little bit. Edibles are illegal here, Lars, just before you paid me in a certain characteristic. So it's uh it's prescribed. Uh so there we go.
2: Okay. uh, Before we get into uh, Rayola and and Dylan Rayola holds a lot of interest here in Alabama because uh, it looked like he was signed, sealed, delivered, ready to go to Georgia, and now there's a lot of reports saying that that is not going to happen. And you kind of been you've been on the front line of that. But let's let's really start with the this Michigan Alabama matchup in the Rose Bowl. You have paid attention, very close attention to Michigan, really, since uh, uh, even before Harbaugh arrived. How, how do you see this playing out? What? I, let's just start with uh, how is the Michigan offense you think going to attack this Alabama defense?
5: Well, Harbaugh likes to send messages, and, and that it doesn't matter who he's playing. He wants his team to be the most physical football team in the land. I think you've seen enough of Jim in the NFL and his different college stops that Jim Harbaugh is is all about power football uh, with some play action. And and that's how I anticipate them trying to to get going. Uh, Now, they lost their All-American guard uh in the Ohio State game. I was at the Iowa Michigan Big Ten Championship game and you know that was just a a rock fight defensively. Iowa's got a really, really incredible defense as well and nobody uh had the guts to, to try anything downfield, but I think Michigan's gonna try and hammer away with Corum and Edwards, get some play action. They'll probably, if they're smart, continue to use McCarthy's mobility. He's been nursing an ankle, uh, quite honestly, I think a lot of November. Uh, He was not on any of the injury disclosures, and, you know, I I think that was purposeful. So I think he'll be healed up. He'll be really mobile. He is accurate as all get out, but he gets a little too confident sometimes with his arm and and tries to make some tough throws, Uh, and against a, a team like Alabama, that could be costly, but I expect Michigan to just line up and do what they've been doing, uh, getting downhill. Defensively, their uh, recovery speed is insane. Well, uh, Iowa loves doing play action and misdirection, especially off of bootlegs, to move the pocket. So uh, I don't don't know that the the, the team's speed is apples to apples, honestly, with Alabama and Iowa. So uh, I don't know. Um, if that's going to be a, an issue there But no, I think this thing's going to be a, a classic I can't wait to see it 24-21, 27-21 I think the difference will be quarterback play If I had to put my money down or Lars's money I like what Milrow's doing uh, a little bit better I think he's had a better November than McCarthy
2: from afar, what have you noticed from Jalen Milrow, from, uh, you know, from the Texas loss to being benched against South Florida and now to finishing, I believe it was sixth in the, in the Heisman voting?
5: He is composed. He's confident. He's gotten to play. I mean, he's a quarterback that's got all the talent in the world. They just needed to play him more. He didn't play a lot. So he just needed to play, kind of come into his zone and have the team support. Forgive me here, Lars. I got to get to the window. <laughs> oh, uh,
2: oh uh, Prescription for Schmidt should be Leverquin and prednisone. <laughs> there we go. Sorry, bud. Uh, uh, we love. <laughs> hey, you you know live radio as well as uh, as well Receives as anyone. <laughs> <This is> Interesting. <laughs> hey, uh,
1: can you hand her your phone and let us talk to her? I'm just kidding. Just, you might that would, win, that's one of those old morning show bits that uh, uh, yeah. like Rick and Bubba would do. It's,
5: uh, it's for you. It's for you. <laughs> yeah, it's for you.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, all
1: right, good stuff, Chris. Hey, do, do people in Nebraska look at Jim Harbaugh in much the same way people down here do? And that's with much disdain?
5: I think there's some disdain, but I just think there's a bit of of, of wonder, like, that's kind of a unique creature, <laughs> you know, where you go and look at a guy like, because he's just, he's just off a chick. He's, in his own way, brilliant and accomplished, but even being around him in media days, and, and nothing one-on-one, but more group settings, I mean... Seriously, walking out of the bathroom at Big Ten Media Days, and he's he's doing a one-on-one hit with a local reporter, and they're talking music, and he's a big hoodie in the Blowfish and Alanis Morissette. That's his that's his hype music. I'm not kidding you. I heard that part of the interview. as I was walking back to my my radio row table. So about just goes to his own beat, and I think there is such a drive in the guy. Uh, from a paranoia standpoint, I think there's um, great football IQ. And, and I think from a practice standpoint, he does a, 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 he's always done a great job, wherever he's been, at getting his teams ready. I think he evaluates at a really high level. All that being said, um, to, to go that extra step and go a little spygate has turned all of college football off. That includes Nebraska.
2: You know, I I found it interesting that that Matt Rule commented on that and, you know, Michigan pounded Nebraska by about uh, 2,000 points. But um, (laughs) have have we seen the last or heard the last of this scandal with Michigan or is the NCAA going to come down? Because we've had some guests on who – are, are somewhat in the know and there is a belief out there that Harbaugh could perhaps be suspended for the entirety of the 2024 season.
5: I think he will leverage a if he comes back because the contract that's in front of him is 5 years, 11 million dollars to come back to Michigan and I think He'll leverage that. The NCAA has yet to pound anybody that's been caught on FBI wiretaps, right, for basketball. So uh, can you you give him a 12-game equivalent suspension, six this year, six next year? Would he live with that? He he was able to negotiate down what was going to be a four-game to a three-game to start the season, and he only missed three games this year, and he still made it back for the Big Ten championship. So – you know, I think he, the NCAA just is, is toothless. I mean, they they may bark loud, but ultimately, it, I, I don't see Michigan selling him out. Um, they'll they'll stand right next to him, especially if they're on the cusp of more greatness. I do think he goes back to the NFL.
2: He's seventeen seventy-eight. <laughs> Sorry, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Um, that's uh, that's great. The, that's uh, <laughs> yes. Hey, can you
1: go to Burger King maybe and go through the window and order some food? You know, do you want me to do the Imus bit where I order
5: 7,000 hamburgers? Would that work?
1: God, I'm just glad there are people that remember the brilliance of Don Imus. That's what makes me happy. Um, it's, uh, It's really good stuff. Can you hang on through a break and maybe yes, we'll delve into sir. some. Maybe I'm a, you can go to. Uh, I'm, about
5: done here. I'm about done here, so I'll be, I'll be a better guest next segment.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's well, great. No, it's it's great radio. And uh, when we come back, we'll pick it up, and who knows? Maybe he's going to um, Krispy Kreme. I have a dollar for a box of dozen glazed donuts. But it's one of those if, when, you've got to buy another dozen to get it. But anyway, it's still pretty good deal. Ah, uh, I thought I'd just give the donut place a free plug. I did. We'll be back in just a minute. It's the-
0: this
3: is the Big Noon Sports Network.
1: And we are back with uh, Chris Schmidt, Nebraska Radio. He is with us and going through drive-thrus. Pharmacy coming up next. He's going to pick up his dry cleaning. All right. um, (laughs) What's the word on Dylan Rayola and the possibility of his, uh, I guess you would call it, God, the verbiage changes every day. He would decommit from Georgia. And I guess there's no transfer portal at the high school senior level anyway, I'm making a a very long question when I shouldn't. Is he coming to Nebraska?
5: (laughs) That's the feel. Uh, You have his visit date set for December 15th and you have the the dead period begins Sunday. So, Nebraska will see him. I think Nebraska kept things open. Uh, Nebraska's in a unique spot because Kyle McCord, the Ohio State quarterback, landed in town yesterday. He's still here today in the portal. Went 11-1 and one for Ohio State, former five-star. Uh, Ward is uh, his wide receiver, former five-star. Uh, Fleming is coming in today or already may be here. So Nebraska could get McCord, the quarterback, Fleming... It ended up being kind of the number three option with, with the riches of talent that Ohio State has at receiver in for next year and then you groom Dylan Raiola for 2025 and presumably you keep Danny Kalen he's a, a Bell US product out of Omaha, super talented kid Nebraska's been pretty up front that, that Raiola's been their, their prime target at quarterback when he committed to georgia back in may nebraska was able to flip daniel kalen from missouri and now kalen's not really commented on the situation but there's all sorts of uh positive buzz and if you're matt rule and you get two five-star quarterbacks in one week uh that's super impressive uh nebraska needs to up their game at quarterback uh, and not stand pat. They're all about developmental football. That said, with the resources and the fan base, fellas, uh, and the funding you have here in Lincoln, uh, you need to go spend it to to, to presumably make it. And the urgency is there. Five and seven left uh, an off taste in Nebraska fans' mouths, not because they didn't go bowling, but because they had four chances in November to go bowling right and uh you saw a team that was just decimated by injury still get to that doorstep of six and if you look at it from a a zoom out point of view i think you can you can say all right rule and his crew did a hell of a good job but he still wanted one or two more and he didn't get it done uh rules on to year two he said that to us in his press conference last week he uh Spoke through the media, a la Nick Saban, the going rate for a starting high-level quarterbacks between $1 and $2 million. Uh, that was floated into the uh, atmosphere. And voila, Nebraska did the uh, the world tour of quarterbacks last week where they checked in on the top five portal quarterbacks. But back to Ryola, uh, Of course, uh, Dominic, his dad, a legend here in Lincoln. And, you know, he's been coveted by some of the who's who of quarterback schools, Ohio State and, uh, of course, Georgia, but Nebraska has been near and dear to his heart. I think the mindset for Dylan is it'd be really fun to come back here and, and be a part of of the turnaround. There is some undertow when it comes to NIL and if what was promised wasn't actually what was going to be delivered to the Raiola crew NIL-wise um, by by Georgia. He, he had moved to Georgia to play his senior year of high school, so he was 20 minutes from Athens, fellas, and uh, he set to move into and begin spring practice in, in about two weeks, or I should say bowl practice in about two
2: weeks. Well, that, that's so, sort of the uh, literally the million-dollar question. What happened? Did, when he was on campus uh, last weekend, uh, and I think his dad was with him, uh, is this uh, about money? And also, when Matt Rule pulled on Nick Saban and said the going rate for an elite quarterback is $1 to $2 million, was he asked about that? Or did he just say that unsolicited as a way to... Get the Nebraska collectives right that that can pay the NIL money, or was that also a message directed at that at the Rayola family? So i basically asking like three questions there. But just start with: Did something happen as far as you're aware with Rayola and Georgia this last weekend? Because it, it, it seems to me this is almost coming out of nowhere.
5: Right, I. I don't know, but if I'm going to put my speculation hat on, hell yeah, something had to happen, don't you think? Where the 12th, pleased with the situation. Uh, Raiola knew there was two quarterbacks in the class. He knew that George's. Tip of the iceberg, deep at quarterback and about everywhere. I mean, they are like Bama when it comes to recruiting talent on top of talent. So I don't know that he was worried about competition, but something just had to be feeling off. Where you know what? Let's let's go see if Nebraska is is still an option. There you go. And from a from a signaling standpoint, Rule was asked something about about NIL. How do you approach it? And, and Rule wanted to make sure that. Guys in the locker room knew that you're you're here pouring the cement with us. You're going to get taken care of. All that being said, he's not wrong. There's some some programs that spend six to seven million dollars a year uh, for elite talent. The difference is is those programs have spent six to seven or whatever the, the zeros are on talent that isn't elite on paper. They go in ball games in the fourth quarter, and that's that's where Nebraska needs to get to when it comes to supplementation, when it comes to using portal. I, I have no worry about development. The other tie here is is Donnie Rayola, Nebraska's offensive line, Dylan's uncle. That's that's a main reason Nebraska's even been in consideration. I, I think hiring Rule helped, and Rule is so good. With, with his players, with his staff, with his coaches, when it comes to, to being crystal clear with communication and knowing where everybody stands and keeping folks up to speed and just being honest, man. In a world and a sport that's not always honest, I think that rule is pretty trustworthy, and I think kids gravitate towards that.
1: Chris... A lot of talk about Florida State perhaps joining the Big Ten. What do you hear in Nebraska?
5: <laughs> I have not heard that. Um, Florida State's been trying to get out of the ACC for a lot of years. So is Clemson. They are sick of being the, uh, the, the pack mules for that league and let Notre Dame date everyone else in the league and not have to mess with the conference championship yet get to the uh, college football playoff twice. So, yeah, if I'm Florida State, I want out of that league, and uh, I don't know what's uh, air quote, easier league to join, the SEC or the Big Ten. Big Ten, uh, that's why it's so urgent for year two for Nebraska, fellas, because by four, and you've already been lower tier the last five years, uh, the middle has gotten incredibly hard. So you can't be down the, the the ladder rung anymore if you're in Nebraska you need to to compete for that middle and and, and beat some teams that are on top you need high level players to do it Florida state hey there's a great history in Nebraska and Florida state i'd love it i'm i'm all for more helmet games every week i'd take Florida state but i think they'd be better off in the SEC i don't know that uh Florida would allow that. You guys tell me, how does the SEC feel about, the SEC Mm -hmm. in-state schools feel about others coming in? How does
2: A&M feel about Texas joining? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I have one more question for you, Chris, and that is you talk to uh, college football fans in the Midwest uh, every day. What was the general consensus uh, when Alabama made it into the college football playoffs? Did people think that that was the right call by the committee, or did they think that uh, Florida State absolutely got hosed?
5: They, They felt like there's a twinge of favoritism with the SEC. They felt there's a twinge of and it's true. I mean, it's Alabama. Anybody else, Florida State probably gets hit. But the Bama brand is the Bama brand. You're not going to say no to Saban. And to Nick's credit, they just beat the number one team in the country. They had won 29 straight. It's a no-brainer. And me personally, I don't want to see a second or a third-team quarterback get stomped by Michigan. I want to see a great ball game in the Rose Bowl between Michigan and and Alabama, I want to see great football, and I think I'm going to get great football with Michigan and Alabama, opposed to an injured Florida State team and, uh, and Michigan. So I think Nebraska fans can, can take it that the, the playoff is the way the playoff is. And listen, there's a lot of Nebraska fans that called my show saying football karma uh, off of the 94 Orange Bowl 30-plus years ago. Uh, with the, the, the hose job that was the Orange Bowl, uh, Nebraska fans feel against Nebraska. 30 years later, it finally been it was.
1: <laughs> hey, Chris, great stuff. We appreciate your time as always. Let's do it again before January 1st. All right,
5: you guys take care. Thanks for having me. Oh,
1: absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Uh, that was fun. Now, uh, Chris interacted with Mike Leach, or Mike Leach is talking about Chris. What have you got coming up here? I'm a little puzzled.
2: Well, uh, today's a one-year anniversary of uh, Mike Leach's uh, tragic passing, and when we come back, we are going to play one of my all-time favorite clips uh, of uh, Mike Leach giving wedding advice. And, oh. and, and Noah has... Uh, Cut this down uh, to about a, a minute and a half. So we're just going to roll it right out of the break and uh, just give it a listen because it will make your day.
0: We'll be at I bet. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A beautiful afternoon with a sunny sky behind today 56. Clear tonight, below at 32. Tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days. Highs between 58 and 61. And Friday, partly to mostly sunny. Friday's high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60
3: degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. As Lars mentioned going into the break, this is the one-year anniversary of the passing of Mike Leach. And I don't know anybody didn't like being around him, didn't like this guy. Seriously, you know? He was like a Will Rogers guy. And then he had a quarterback named Will Rogers. Okay, no, I'm not going down that. I just want you to... Just kick back for a couple of minutes here and listen to some of the musings of Coach Mike Leach.
7: My wisdom would be, uh, you you have to stay out of the way. Now, you, and I wish you a very happy marriage, and I'm sure you'll have one. But uh, I'm just telling you, uh, when it comes to marriages, uh, the women lose their mind. Your fiance's is going to lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her mind. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind. And, um, and they're going to they're barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? And then, uh, which of course my answer was, I don't care. And then uh, what color should the invitations be? I don't care. Uh, what should we have for dessert? I don't care. Should we seat this this way or that that way? I don't care. But see, I don't care is not satisfactory at all. And you're gonna get caught in a Catch-22, and I'm certain that you already have. And that Catch-22 is, well, I want you to be a part of this too. Uh, So what color invitations? all right, the blue ones. well, I kind of like uh I kind of like the tan ones, okay, the tan ones then. Oh, you're just saying that because uh, uh, uh you want this over with. you're not even thinking about it, which is of course true. And-
6: That's Mike leach on wedding.
1: <laughs> Mike Leach um. When he took up any topic, he put his uh, his own unique spin on it. And, and Sometimes great... I, I saw a picture of him online today because somebody else was, you know, paying tribute to the one-year anniversary of his unfortunate passing. But um, you just look at him and uh, can't believe he's gone, even a year later.
2: No, you can't. And, uh... Uh, it was a sad day and it's uh, one of those uh, uh, few deaths uh, that, I, that I remember exactly where I was when I got the news and, and uh, just uh, absolutely heartbreaking. And the great thing about Mike Leach, and, um, and you know this, Matt, is you could ask him about anything and he basically would never say, I don't know. He had an opinion on everything, and it was yeah. funny, and it was different, and it made you kind of sit on the edge of your seat to pay attention. and And uh, he's just one of the most colorful characters uh, that I've ever been around, in, uh, not just in college football, but in, in life in general. And you know, uh, we we've told the story of our our, our Tony Curry, our good buddy. Uh, Tony developed a relationship with uh, Coach Leach and at one particular time uh, uh, Tony called Coach Leach and it happened to be at halftime of a game and Leach took the call and, and Tony conducted the interview at halftime of a game. Uh, that maybe is the only time in the history of, uh, of college football that that's happened.
1: Yeah, uh, and he had the delivery of a stand-up comedian, you know. He just almost not quite Rodney Dangerful-like. just kind of, I'm just going to tell it in a very dry, wit fashion. But um, he'll be missed. Um, and I love watching his innovative style of football and uh, how he he passed to set up the pass. Um, it was It was fun to watch him, and we will all miss him as it continues. Hey Lars, I've got to um, i got to th- throw some light on the other side of the state. Auburn basketball is balling, man. They beat Indiana over the weekend, one hundred and four to seventy six. Just beat the brakes out of a team that was much larger than them. But um, you yeah, know we've been talking a lot about Alabama basketball, but Auburn's playing real well. World, well this year too. In fact, I think this past weekend they entered the AP Top 25. I'll have
2: to look that up. But anyway, kudos to the Tigers. Yeah, and here's uh, some stunning breaking news to me. Uh, NBC has removed Al Michaels from postseason coverage uh, according to the New York Post in, quote, a move he wasn't expecting Uh, And that is from uh, Andrew Markand of the, again, of the New York Post. And I I know Andrew, he covers sports media and he does a really good job. And Michaels has been calling Thursday Night Football Weekly on uh, Amazon Prime with uh, Kirk Herbstreet. And he's done that since 2022. And, um, you know, uh, he was uh, slated to be calling, I think, at least one or two games for NBC. And uh, I'm just w- wondering what happened. Uh, I'm sure everybody is, and uh, we'll probably hear more about this by the end of the day. But in, in your mind, Matt, is uh, Al Michaels still kind of, the, is he, or ha- has he been the gold standard of play-by-play?
1: Yeah, there are others that I would include, but certainly Al Michaels. And by the way, not just football. Uh, he can do other sports. And I've always liked to point out the fact that uh, the men of their ages, like the Pat Summeralls, the Verne Lundquist of the world, could could do the final round of the Masters one day and then turn around and do Monday night football. And Al Michaels was that kind as well. But I'm just now catching up with this story as well. And to be honest with you, Since they stream Thursday nights, and then I think it's on the NFL Network and I don't subscribe, I hadn't heard Al Michaels in a few years, a couple of years. So I don't know if he's lost any on his fastball uh, or if this was a, I don't know, it looks like they're going to go with Tariko and Collingsworth for three of them and Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge.
2: Oh. Do you want a, a, a fun fact about Al Michaels He has never eaten A vegetable knowingly In his life No way <laughs> Yep, yeah, That's Is that, that like, is, include a
1: tomato I mean a potato That is what he said Is a potato a vegetable
6: I think it's a different type of fruit Or tuber or something like that <laughs> a, a
1: potato is a vegetable A tomato is a fruit Yeah
2: potatoes now he yeah uh, potatoes he said he as a kid he always pushed the the vegetables away and uh that uh, like he said knowingly he's never eaten a single vegetable in his life and uh he said that you know he was born when his parents were 18 and his mom just let me have a run of the of the course and I always push the vegetables away and to this day I still say no and he said, "You know what I've proven is that a man does not need vegetables to survive."
1: He's 79. Yeah. And he's still active. I just don't quite uh, you know, what do you eat your steak with? Another steak. You can't have a potato. You can't have a salad.
2: I mean, what else do you eat if you don't have vegetables? I guess I know truth, that he, he eats. Oh man, when I was uh, working on that Lawrence Phillips documentary for Showtime, Ross Greenberg, our producer, uh, he had dinner with Al Michaels when we were out in L.A. And Michaels eats at the same restaurant at the same table. I think six nights a week, or just whenever he's whenever he's back in L.A. And uh, Ross went out there with them, and and Ross, I asked him, did he have any vegetables? And he said no, and then I was like, Ross, hey, thanks for the invite, buddy. <laughs> really? I wonder if he orders the same thing. I think he Six does. I believe in it's. A row. I believe it's like. That's I believe Saban-esque. it's Steak, yeah. All right, hey, we
1: got to get out of here. Back in twenty-two hours.